Good morning, kings and priests. Why do I say that every week? Not every week, when I get up here. Because that's what the word says we are. You know, the song is very appropriate for what I want to say. It says in James, faith without works is dead. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, geez, he's getting religious on us. No, but what are these works? I'm glad you asked. What are these works? In James, it talks about the tongue, how, it be, how it's like a rudder, or it talks about bridling your tongue. Now, I know a lot of us have heard this message, bridling the tongue, oh, geez, here it comes. But when you put a bridle on a horse, what does it do? Does it keep the horse from going anywhere? No. A bridle is to get the horse to go where you want it to go. He talks about bridling the tongue. So what does he want us to do with our tongues? I want to talk about three battles that we go through. The battle of our health, the battle of our finances, and the battle between our ears. If you're going through one of those battles, bridle your tongue and start aiming your words at these things. If your body's acting up, if your finances are lacking, if there's stuff going on in your head, start speaking to these things. We're not speaking from a place of weakness. We're speaking from a place of victory, just like the song says. It says the victory is yours. That means the victory is ours. When we accepted Christ, Christ is in us, and we are seated with Christ. He says we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So we're not speaking from a place of weakness. We're speaking from a place of power. Use your tongue like that rudder. Guide your ship. Guide your horse. Guide your words where you want them to go. Sometimes it happens overnight. Sometimes it takes a while. There's been a lot of negatives spoken over a lot of us. So right now, in Jesus' name, my declaration for you is that these negative things that have been spoken over each one of us are broken right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So are you saying our words are, are the work? Are the work. So our words are the... And sometimes, if you don't feel like speaking, worship. Just worship God. That is speaking his words into the battle. There you go. So it's pretty easy to actually do the work. So the work is the speaking and agreeing with what God says about you. So I just wanted to say that... it. It was a great week with being at the Global Legacy and how amazing that I felt like I actually had to practice everything that I learned in that moment. Because when I got home, I wasn't feeling real great and still had to go to work. And um, so, and thank you, Marilyn, for um, the Psalm 91. Because when I got home from work, I would just like lay on the couch and I would just have to like 
um, just stay in Psalm 91 and let that minister to me. It was it was funny because I had just I had just listened to somebody and they were like, listen to Psalm 91 in as many different versions as you can. And so it's great because it brings a lot of different perspectives that maybe you wouldn't have normally seen. Um, one of the, the pastors there who ministered, his name was Benji, Benji Rose. Benji, he was awesome. And oh, I totally lived that week because I felt like I made no progress at all. I wasn't checking off my list like, Lord, I'm not reading, I'm not praying. And he's like, no, no, we're just going to enjoy each other's company. You know, because I really was just like laying on the couch. And when I wasn't... Uh, <laughs> And when I wasn't doing Psalm 91, I was looking at videos of, um, you know, silly dogs, silly goats, you know, just really like, it's like, this is all I'm capable of at this moment. But, um, it, and so I learned in that uh, Benji Rose moment that, you know, the Lord is absolutely okay with that. Just, he's like, just stay in my presence. Um, and don't, oh, oh, and thank you, Amy, because there was an opportunity for guilt to come on me to not taking care of my, you know, my family obligations. And thank you, Amy, for just jumping in there. And, um, and so I could feel the guilt, like, starting to build. And he says, oh, are, are you going to be their Messiah? And I was like, Oh, no, thank you for Amy. And um, so, yeah, just um, be, be okay with just being in the Lord's presence and letting him carry you. And, yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> One thing Steve Backlund said, too, that was pretty good, that he said, because the enemy's going to come to you with negative things. He said, you just laugh at it. That was, it was fantastic. I was laughing so hard, I was crying almost. <laughs> Do anyone else like to come up and share? Come on down. It's really short, but um, as you were speaking about uh, the tongue, and we always say, we quote in scripture, and we say there's a power of life and death in the tongue. Deb Paul and I were having a conversation um, after Global Legacy, and she goes, yeah, but the rest of it is, and you shall eat the fruit of it. So if you're speaking negative things, aren't you, you're eating the fruit of that. If you're speaking positive things, you're eating the fruit of that. And um, the other thing I was thinking about is that just as a, a beast or something is untamed, it takes time to tame that. So think about that with your tongue that it, it may take time to do that and, and just ask the Lord for that, um, the revelation to get down deep in your heart and in your mind about that, about taming your tongue. And with Global Legacy this weekend, I was thinking about, um, I, I'm not really a, a lot of uh, really detrimental and destructive things I say, but I was thinking about the little things I say like, I'm not good at small talk. You know, I'm not good at this. I'm not, I've always been this. And I thought, no, I got to stop that. I got to work on that. So Marilyn, for my birthday, bought me the little clicker that you can, you know, click every day for um, 100 uh, declarations. And so I had that in my hand, you know, this last couple of days. And, and I looked at the first night and I, 
I had five declarations. <laughs> and I thought, okay, this should be really easy, right? It's not so easy, really. And, and I think it's coming out of um, that mindset and having the Lord change your lens. And we, ask, we have to ask for his lens and how he sees us. And really, honestly, all of this is really about who, your identity in Christ and who you are. Getting that down deep and living that out. You know, last week I did a, a piece on Psalms 91, and, you know, it's always timely when he has you do a teacher or preach. There's always something around the corner with your name on it. And um, I, I shared with you how um, the Lord was just proving himself so faithful through Psalms 91 as we had to do a legal situation, which ended up in a restraining order, which it just to me is like even bizarre to even talk about. It's just so foreign, just so foreign. And, and yet, um, I, I didn't fail, but I did not tell you the rest of the, the story. You, you got the front end. You didn't get the glory hallelujah part. I told you we went to court. The Lord said, don't get a lawyer. I am your lawyer. I will go before you, and I'll make every crooked path straight. We went in there, and there's a dozen people in this association over there. The mocking spirits had been loosed. So that's when you, again, have to remind yourself, I'm either going to take their fiery darts, be wounded personally, and, you know, and get in the flesh. Well, last time we sang, it was his battle, not ours. So it was step over into the spirit realm and say, Lord, send some angels just to muzzle their mouths. Block my ears, block my eyes, whatever needs to happen. I shared with you that the judge was very predispositioned to the opposition and made that very, very clear. In fact, it was so clear that I went to the courts and got a, a CD of it. If we ever have to go to court again, I'm going to say, I will no, this guy will never, ever over us because this is what he said, even against Randy's disability. I mean, that's how wicked and wild it was. However, by the time the thing was done, the Lord had used that lawyer to create every single outcome we wanted. Every single outcome we wanted. Not some. Are you hearing me? Every single outcome. Legal and binding. So, okay, court's over. As we're getting ready to leave, they all said, well, if you guys would just drop dead, we'd be happy. And I wanted to say, and if you drop dead, we'd be grieving because we haven't been able to win you to the Lord yet. Do you know what I mean? So now we're back at, at our place, and we now are testing out, are they going to really adhere to the law put out on all of us? We asked for this restraining order to apply to both households, both sets of husbands and wives. And I'm sure the judge fell over on that because most people don't want that. We wanted that authority, making it safe for all of us. Since that time, the fellow that the restraining order is about and his wife have never once crossed the line. They have never once gone after my husband since then. They've never sicked their dog on our dog. All that insanity has been put under the feet 
and the head of that demon has been lopped off. Now, if that isn't the second phase two of glory, hallelujah, the third thing is, my husband was out walking one night, and the gentleman was right there. And Randy just said, we can verbally talk with the 20 feet distance between us set out by the courts. And he just said, I won't say the guy's name, you know, Bob, I, I hate this. I hate this restraining order. I hate having to have it. I hate all of the division it brings. He said, I just hate it. And this guy humbled himself and said, Randy, I hate it too. He said, things got so out of control, he said, I don't even know how they got like this. Now that's a demon overtaking somebody's mind and heart. And now the Holy Spirit softened and having this dialogue with the man he's pursued for two years, three and four times a night, stalking him. And he just said, I want us to just be at peace. And Bob said, that's what I want too. And Randy said, it's a five-year restraining order. He said, let's see what happens at the end of five years. And it's a whole different ballgame. I now can freely walk my neighborhood and not have any fear. I'm not looking over my shoulder. If you've never gone through that, it's an awful traumatic experience. And to have that freedom and that liberty, because God is God, God is on the throne, God didn't go anywhere because he's omnipresent, so he's always been in that community. And God said, go back in there and take that land back. So be in agreement with me on prayers for that whole situation and the people that need salvation because that's where our hope is. That's where our hope is. But I want you to understand, if God did that for me, it's not just because he loves purple in Maryland. He, he loves you and whatever your favorite colors are. And just rest in him and trust him that he's not only got it, but he's got your back, he's got your front. But the bigger question is, is, does he have your whole heart? Are you going to release it and trust him in all things? Good. Pray for those who spitefully use you. So now Tammy doesn't have to steal the microphone from me. She can just grab that one. Man. There's not a lot of time left this morning. <clears throat> and I don't mind that at all. I, I really uh, wanted to just have us all soak up that whole time of worship. I feel like God really wanted to, to release something in that in that atmosphere. You know, most of the time, he accomplishes what he wants to accomplish when we come together and we declare his high praises, when we declare his promises, his, the truth over our lives. <clears throat> and the Bible tells us he inhabits the praises of his people. He, he is enthroned on our praises. We establish praise to silence the enemy. 
Praise and worship is our warfare. Those are our, that's how we fight our battles. Those aren't just fun songs to sing, although they are fun. It makes, makes kind of a rowdy aggressiveness rise up in your spine. <clears throat> but God is so good. He's made it so fun for us to fight by giving us tools, weapons of warfare that they're not carnal. They're mighty through God to pull down strongholds. They're, it's taking thoughts, the thoughts in our heads, and we're taking them captive. We're actually speaking and hearing truth come into our ears and out of our mouths. It's like the, the pipe work, the, <clears throat> the plumbing system, the wiring in your, your brain is all of a sudden getting a, an antivirus surge to come and cleanse and align everything with the truth. And that's where the warfare is taking place. It's mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And those strongholds, it goes on in that passage in 2 Corinthians 10. It says, and we take captive every thought. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That is the, that is the fight, is to take these stinking thinking things that we've allowed to get into our head or they've been spoken over us, as you guys were saying, as you were saying, Dave, to break off the lies, to break off those things spoken over us. God wants to break off all the faulty wiring, all of the, the viruses, like in a computer. He just wants to cleanse. He wants to renew your mind, renew your thinking. He wants to transform all of us by the renewing of our minds. Then, the Bible tells us in Romans 12 too, then, as we get transformed by renewing our minds, then we will know what is the will of God, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. <clears throat> so, I love it. I love that God has given us hope. I love that he is the God of hope. I love the fact that <clears throat> I can tell when he's in something or he's in my thoughts because if there's hopelessness, Thank you, Steve Backlund, for giving us those little, little uh, pictures, you know, the indicator light, your hope levels. Truth level will correlate with hope levels and joy. So as our hope increases, that's a sign that we're believing truth. When our hope decreases, that means we're believing lies. It's wild. It's a good, a good tool for us to hang on to. This is going to end up being a two-part thing because I've got something. I'm trying to formulate how to communicate this in a way where it will make the most sense. <clears throat> I think the best way is just to take time and go through it. But I, I feel like as a church, and not just us, but the church, nationwide, worldwide, God is taking the church on a journey in discovering, once again, who we really are. You know, Romans chapter 8 says, all creation groans. All creation groans and longs and waiting for the sons of God, the sons and daughters of God to be manifest in the earth. We are the sons and daughters of God. And creation, it's like we're on the stage and he's waiting to pull the curtain back when we realize that who we are and the part that we play to jump out there and say with confidence and hope and, and know that I know that I know I am a child of God. I'm a son. 
I've been adopted. Jesus is my big brother, and he's not ashamed to call me his brother. <laughs> I still got to wrestle with that one, because he's my king. It just blows my mind. We are seated right now with him in heavenly places. He's not ashamed to call us brother and sister. He's so proud to present us before his father. He's our advocate. We have an advocate on high who speaks in our defense. He is our great defender. When the enemy comes to accuse and to try to slime you with accusation and condemnation and guilt and shame, Jesus paid the price for all of that stuff to be just blotted out. And then he wrapped you up inside of himself because when you're in Christ, you're in Christ. And he put himself in you so that Christ Jesus would live in you so that now you're, you have the mind of Christ flowing inside of you. You have the power of, of the Holy Spirit releasing life. You get to live the life of Jesus in the world. And all creation is just waiting and longing for us to step into it. When we get rid of false humility, this is not about look at me, look what I can do. It's about look at him and look what he has done. We, we owned for this church the name Legacy City Church. <clears throat> legacy is the same word for inheritance. Jesus has given you and I all of, all of the church, all of the sons and daughters that have been brought into his family. He has given us an inheritance, a legacy. And he wants us to unfold it and begin to execute the things in the will that had been freely given to us so that we can freely give it away. He told us one simple prayer. This is how you should pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done here on the earth just as it is in heaven. And we are the instruments. We are the pipeline that he's chosen. We are the vessels that carry. We are those jars of clay, as 2 Corinthians 5 said, 4 or 5, 4, no, it's 5. Is it 4 or is it 5? <clears throat> Chapter 5 says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. We are these jars, we're clay vessels, earthen vessels. We're hard pressed on every side. We're beaten down. We're struck at. We're accused. We're blamed. We go through all of the crap in the world. Yet we carry this treasure inside of us so that we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We have the favor of heaven over us. We have the life of God preserving who we are so that we can go through the fire. You've got the hope of heaven living inside of you, and you can go through the fire. I'm just going to say it to every one of you who feels like you're going through the fire. You can go through the fire and come out on the other side, not burned up. Just like Daniel in the lion's den. You will not be burned. You have the God of heaven on your side. He is for you, not against you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I was joking about a song last night. Anyway, I won't go into that song. But it's about struggling with you know, guys struggling with girls and stuff. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the girl. And they're like, what? what? Anyway, it's an old Christian album song. Greater is he who lives inside of you and me than anything on the outside. We don't battle against flesh and blood. You may feel like you're at odds or you're at war with humans, 
It is a spiritual battle. We are in a spirit battle. We battle not against flesh and blood. He may, the enemy, those things, those little, those little orbs or imps, whatever they are, they're probably pretty unconvincing if you could see them for what they really are. They'd be pretty not impressive. Those things just use people like a pipeline or like a gate. But you know what Jesus said? The gates of hell will not overcome us. Those that choose to allow their life to be used as a gateway for hell to come through will not overcome. So, where do we go from here? I'm just going to read a couple things. <clears throat> I shared this on Facebook. Some of you, if you saw it, a couple people were like, oh, I like that. Reshare that one. You know, I go through the things that we've shared over time, and I'll just pop about five of them back up in the morning, things from a couple years ago, because there are certain ones that are like, this just needs to be heard again. <clears throat> Whatever you think is the biggest problem in your life right now, God already has a plan and a solution for that situation. He has a very specific course of direction where his redemptive touch will be put to that problem. It is he. It's who he is. It's just who he is. It's his nature. He's the great fixer. He makes dead things come back to life. He is the resurrection and the life. He wants to take old broken things and see what he can do with it because that's how brilliant he is. That's how mighty he is. <clears throat> God already has solutions and answers to every problem we will ever face in our lifetime. So I just felt like, okay, we're learning about the power of our words. We're learning about who we really are in Christ, who he saved us to be, the inheritance that we have, our, our new identity, the fact that who I used to be is now a dead person. As Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. So you can turn to your neighbor if you want and say you're dead. Dave's like, I'm not going to declare that. I don't want to, <clears throat> no, see, you're reminding the person that the old them, the old them is dead. Not who they are right now in Christ. <clears throat> yeah, the old you is dead. So you have been crucified with Christ, <clears throat> therefore you no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in you. That, that's a good picture. So the struggles, the, the, the things of the flesh, those are things that are dead. I mean, they have been disempowered. They have been struck down. They have no effect anymore. They may try to get you to, to partner with it, you know, a desire or a lie or, or a, a craving of your flesh. You know, you may want to act out on that. But Jesus has disabled that sinful nature. He has disempowered it. It no longer rules over you. Now you have a new nature that gets to rule over you. It's the law of the spirit of life. When you receive Christ, you get the law of the spirit of life 
coming into you. And now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You're in him. Condemnation has been removed. Full righteousness has been credited to you. You are in him. Like there is no sin in Christ. There's no sin in him. And if we are in him, then our sin has been dealt with. It's been removed. It's been covered. It's been blotted out. So it's no longer I who am doing it. It's sin living in me. That doesn't mean I should go ahead and sin all I want and and partner with it. Because the Bible does say where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. There's a reason why he did that. He knew we would need his grace. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace gives you power. Grace empowers you to walk uprightly. Grace empowers you to get back up when you have a bad moment. Grace enables you to say, I am a new creation in Christ. The old me is dead, I'm alive. And what just happened a minute ago was not part of the new creation. So I'm going to get up. I'm going to stand up. The righteous man will fall down seven times, but he'll get back up. God doesn't want us to stay down when we stumble. He's dealt with sin. He has grace for you. When, when there is sin occasions, it's not your identity anymore. So we aren't, you, your identity does not come from your moments. Your worst moments do not define who you are. You are now defined by his best moment. By his best moment for you on the cross. That is your defining moment. It is finished. Your sin has been wiped away. You are now a son and a daughter of God, dearly beloved by the Father. They were willing to send Jesus. The Holy Spirit and the Father, Jesus, agreed that Jesus would go before us. He would die on the cross, and he would pay that price so that he could bring us into his family. That we would be free. That we would no longer be slaves to sin, slaves to the enemy, slaves to the darkness. That we would be set free and become the children of light. And that we would be his ambassadors, his representatives here on the earth. That we would say, as Jesus said when he said, I am the light of the world. And then he turned and said, you are the light of the world. So you get to walk into the dark places and say, I am the light of the world because Jesus lives inside of me. I am salt and light. That is what he said about you. You're not boasting. I feel like God wants to drive a nail through false humility. There's this thing of false humility. Oh, but I'm going to humble. I don't want to touch his glory. I'm not perfect. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just weak. And, you know, but he's so strong. <clears throat> well, you got part of that right. He's so strong. But you're speaking over yourself and you're identifying over yourself the things of the old nature and the dead man. And the time has come for false humility to be crucified, dead and buried. It was paid for on the cross. We have to step in to who he says we are and not be afraid to wear it. I could imagine the first time a young prince or princess goes out into the public and the crowds are cheering and they're like, how humbling, but yet they know who they are, but it's still like this tension and they have to get comfortable with who they are. You and I have to get comfortable with the fact that you are a son or a daughter of God, that you actually have a crown, that you are a royal priest or priestess, that Jesus is actually in you and he loves you. He actually likes you. 
He likes you. He doesn't just tolerate you. Oh, man, someone said that one time. We are just tolerated in Christ. That is a bunch of... For the tape, for the tape, for the recording, I'll just mouth that. That's a bunch of bull, Pucky. That's what I mouth, if you didn't catch that. <clears throat> so we're going to just barely tap into this. But I feel like this is a vision moment. This is a moment to put out before all of us part of the vision. So I think it's a constant, it's a continual remembering and hearing what God is saying for us now, remembering what he has said and what he's saying, and that we can, we can express it, we can confess it, we can declare it together, we can pray through it, and we can pull up the, the weak parts of the body, and let's, let's bring everybody up to the same place, because this is what he wants for all of us, not just those of us who appear to have successful moments, and not for those who are having a weak moment. No, this is what he sees for all of us, that we would all come up together as one body, all growing up into maturity and unity and strength into the full measure of the stature of the Son of God. We are the body of Christ, and he wants to mature us. If that sounds weird, just read Ephesians chapter 4 all the way to the end. It is God's plan that you and I, through the work of the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, together we would all be equipped. That God would, would use these gifts to equip us so that all of us would become the saints that do the work of the ministry, not just the chosen few. That we would all rise up as the sons and daughters of God. And that Jesus, it goes on in that chapter, until we all reach full unity in the faith, we're not quite there yet, right? We will be when Jesus returns. We'll be full unity at that point. Boy, we'll all be like, unified all at once on our faces. Until the body of Christ reaches, reaches unity in the faith and maturity. Like full maturity to the... I'm butchering this up because there's so many ways it's translated. But basically it says to the full measure of the stature of Christ. Or to complete manhood. Now I know women that's like, why do we have to use the word manhood? Well, okay. Just picture Jesus fully mature doing his ministry. That is what mature manhood looks like. And that's what we're all being called to step into. The stature of the fullness of Christ. So as a body, so this is what we're going to kind of land on today because there's a lot of important things. We're learning how to speak the language of heaven. We're training our tongues. We're putting the bridle in our mouths and we're, we're learning how to steer the course of our lives with our words. And it's not just our words, but it's when we get the revelation from heaven of what God says what he is speaking right now, that rhema word of God and the logos, the written word of God, what he has written. And when we see those promises and we speak them, and those are the things that push us forward to the next place. It doesn't matter what people say around us. That is not what God wants to use to steer our lives. He is our wind, I guess, in the sail. He is the movement in the ocean where the rudder has to flow. He's the rudder. I don't know. No, no, my tongue is the rudder. Now I'm really butchering this. He is the one that wants to lead us. So we need to just fix our eyes on Jesus. But together, there's something about the together. So as a church, 
Legacy City Church, where we know we have an inheritance that we want to, like, all together as kids that just won the lottery, we want to unpack this thing. We want to be like, yeah, well, I want to learn how to walk in that. Let's look at this promise and that promise and this thing that he says he gave us, this promise that healing is God's will, that God is good all the time, that he loves me, that he is working out all of my crud for the good of my life, for my good. So together, we're walking on this journey, but I feel like he's going to bring us into a next season where that lens, who said, was that you, Naira, that said the lens changing? Yeah, I feel like he's going to, it's almost like he's going to add another dimension to what the good stuff that we're doing now and that we're walking in. I feel like it has a lot to do with understanding what the purpose of the prophetic is. Like knowing what does it mean to be prophetic? We are an apostolic prophetic people. What does that mean? So go ahead and put slide number four up real quick. I'm going to try to wrap this up in about three minutes. When, When we first launched this whole thing out to go plant a church, God says you're here for clarity, direction, and you are to go plant that church. Okay, where do you start? What do you put down on paper? What do you tell people? What's important? What's the most important thing? Well, the most important thing, we want the presence of God. If we don't have his presence, we're wasting our time, and he's not with us. And it's like building a kingdom without the king. We want the king right in the center. We want to build a throne, and we want him to come and just be pleased and love to spend time with us because our hearts are focused in building on him. And we're welcoming his presence, and we're honoring him and recognizing him, wanting to have a relationship with us. That's pretty obvious that that's the heartbeat in this room of all of us. And then after that, we felt very strongly that there's something lacking in the church world that we've experienced, this sense of realizing that we are called to be family, that the church is the family of heaven. We are in the living room of our Father God right now. Like we're all around the living room on the couch, on the floor, up by his feet. Uh, Marilyn is right on his lap, apparently. That's where she likes to get that spot before any of the rest of us can. I don't know. Maybe picture where you're at right now. All I know is there's plenty of room. He's got a big lap. That's right. So we are the family of God. And family members do not call each other names that we are not. We don't say you're never going to make it, that you're a loser, that you're too weak to be used by our Father, that you're this, you're that. We don't want to partner with that kingdom. Because when we take our words and we begin to declare that kingdom, we are giving power to the kingdom of darkness. God forbid that I or any of us are used to bring power, to empower the dark side. I spent enough time doing that. It's time now. I only have so much time left to live in this life. It's time for me to take every opportunity to train myself to partner with my words what God says. So that by the declaration and the agreeing with what is in heaven through the declaration, I say yes and amen to what he wants. And I pull heaven into this reality. I pull his kingdom into the earth through beliefs and through declaration. But I feel like the next lens or the next dimension of that is going to be how we see people. Tammy and I were asked by Galen 
to serve, to minister on the prophetic appointment part of the global legacy. We didn't do that up here in Port Orchard. Sorry. I don't they just did. It's, it's, it's a lot bigger in McMinnville. <clears throat> we have prophetic appointments, a couple different uh, set-aside times where people can sign up and they can go in either as a single or a couple and go sit with two people and get a prophetic word. It's like a 10-minute time slot. Now, you can imagine, Tammy and I are like, oh, how comfortable am I in my prophetic? I know I can hear God. I know he's spoken to me lots of times, but can I just do it on the, on the spot? Well, we did some activation on the way down to McMinnville, and I don't know what happened, but God, God ignited something. He, <clears throat> he stretched us open, and he gave us confidence that we can hear him. So there are tools that God wants to give us to help equip us. But I would say one of the biggest tools that any of us can have now, and we can, we can practice putting this tool like a lens over our eyes, it's how we see people. How do we see people? We're going to do, we better do a Bible verse because this is church, right, Mom? Yeah, we better read the Bible or she's like, I'm out of here. <clears throat> Hopefully everything we're saying is Bible anyway, but, you know, just for, this, for the sake of uh, being biblical, let's go down to second, slides seven and eight, and this is what we're going to wrap it up with. For the love of Christ controls us. Okay, let's just stop for a second. What is controlling you? What is controlling and motivating the things that you say and speak and see in people? What is it that you're looking for? What's the spirit behind what you're going after in other people and in yourself? Are you looking for perfection? Are you looking for dirt? I don't think that's our place. Because Jesus told us, you better go pull the, the, the humongous log out of your own eye before you pick a little splinter out of someone else's. All have sinned. We have all screwed up. All means all, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we all are justified freely by his grace. Okay, so now we're all on even playground, a playing ground. The field is cleared. None of us has any boasting before him, but he is our boast. Okay, so let's go on here. The love of Christ <clears throat> controls us, and if it's not, we say, Jesus, come, take control of my heart strings and wire the strings of my heart to your love battery because I need your love to flow through me. Because we have concluded this, that one wonderful Savior has died for all, and therefore all have died. I won't make you say it again. You're dead. dead. Yeah, I'm dead. <clears throat> all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him. I don't live to be your sanctifier. I'm not the Holy Spirit in your life, although I may bring him right up next to you and release him to bring an encounter. 
But that encounter, if it comes from me, it needs to encourage and comfort and exhort you and build you up to remind you of what he says about you. Not to come and pick you apart and criticize you and to look at you. There's so much crap in their life right now. What was it Steve Backlund said when God, he complained to God, God, these people that you've put here with me, they're my problem. That's my biggest problem. And he said, no, Steve, do you want to know what the real problem is? He's like, what God is my biggest problem? What is their biggest problem? He said, it's you. <clears throat> See, he was not believing. He did not have hope for his own people. He who has the most hope has the most influence. So we need to be hopeful, hope-filled, and overflow with hope for what he wants to do with others. We don't want to get in the way of what he wants to do in other people's lives. By, by putting doubt and hindrance and you'll never make it Eeyore stuff on people. He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Next slide, and we're going to end with this. <clears throat> so therefore, from now on, therefore, okay, so Jesus died. We're all on the same level playing field. The love of Christ is compelling us. That's where we want to be sourced. We want our source to be motivated from the love of Christ because he paid a high price for something. He wants his reward. He wants to get the fruit. He wants the reward. And he, we read what happens when you go hide and you bury the treasure. Okay, that's not a good picture. We need to take, take the treasure and we need to call out the treasure. We no longer, therefore, regard... I mean speak in this version here. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. I am not going to declare over anyone in this room that you have an Ahab or a Jezebel spirit. That is language that we will not use in this church. Okay? And I'm not trying to be ugly and harsh. <clears throat> if, it, if we all have an accident and we start to put something on people for the sake of calling out the dirt, that's not what he's called us to do. From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. We don't regard anyone according. He wants to shift our vision. He wants to give us prophetic vision for people. <clears throat> I have had so many prophetic words this last week for my coworkers. Something has shifted. People that drove me crazy with their darkness and their not liking my worship music, asking me to plug my earbuds in and stuff. I got words for them because I put love on. I, I let the love of God motivate me to see them how he sees them. And not just how he sees them now. It's how he sees them. He's the God that calls the things that are not right now as though they already are. You're not holy right now apart from Christ. Apart from him, you're nothing. I'm nothing. I am not perfect. But he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy you have been made holy through the blood of Christ so the declaration of who you are and what he sees about people is something that we're all moving into we press on towards the goal we press on heavenward towards the prize why don't you guys stand up because we're going to be done here <clears throat> we are done Yes, thank you, honey. 
She was waiting to spring something. <laughs> the culture of honor. The culture of honor. When we had those three words, the presence, family, and honor. Honor. Honor is the currency of heaven. Honor is what God has called us to do. Honor one another. How do we honor each other? Not by picking apart your faults and your weaknesses, because we all got them. Okay? We honor one another when we speak God's heart over each other. That is what brings him pleasure. Can you imagine? It makes my heart happy when I see my kids loving on each other. Like, you know, one of them will say that. He's so cute, you know. That, that's really sweet. When they, but when they pick at each other, you know, then it kind of crushes you. You're like, don't. Don't do that to each other. Because it, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts us when speak, when people. It hurts us when the steeple, the people under the steeple, Here's the church, here's the steeple. <coughs> Open the door. It hurts us when people under the steeple begin to criticize and point out our weaknesses. In fact, that's probably why a lot of people leave church, because they're just like, you, I'm out of here. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm not going to cuss, I promise. <laughs> Don't tell them, Marilyn. Let's just pray, okay? We got, a, we got a long ways to go, but he is going to accelerate. Just say acceleration. acceleration. Holy Spirit, acceleration. We say accelerate our vision. God, we say come Holy Spirit and accelerate the healing of our eyes, that salvation, the, the healing salve of heaven, the balm of heaven, would come and it would just heal our eyes. Lord, we just say, let our eyes see people the way you see them. The way you saw me when I was just a punk kid cursing Christianity. You saw who I would be today. You saw who I'd be when I'm in the heavenly realm face to face with you someday. Or then that, that time where I will fully know even as I'm fully known. You saw me there in my worst day, and you, you didn't choose to identify me as a sinner just saved by grace, but you called me up higher, and I thank you, God. I thank you that the same grace you applied to me, that you would give me, and you would give each one of us, the same grace that you gave each one of us to see us from your eyes, the gold that you see in us, the beautiful, royal, radiant bride of Christ that you see each one of us being a part of. That you would give us vision. You would heal our eyes. That you would remove, just like on dirty glasses, you would come now and you would remove the stain and the smudge and the grease and you would bring clarity to our eyes. We just say clarity of vision, God. Release over our thinking the love of God, the heart of the Father, so that we can see your heart and hear your heart for people. God, I pray that you would just activate us. Activate your people to hear your voice today. I just break off shame and guilt, and I say that is not your portion, but you have received a double portion. The Father says, I have given you through Jesus a double portion. You have the mind of Christ, 
you have the ability to hear his voice, he says. He wants to tell you the deep secrets of his heart for you. He wants to tell you how precious you are to him. He wants to reveal to you all of the times where you didn't think he was with you and how he was there. He wants to call out the treasure that you carry. He says, not one of my creations, not one of my sons or daughters is a piece of junk or a, or a bad work of art. There are no bad apples in this room. There are precious, royal, beautiful mirrors revealing different sides of the face of God the Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we were created in your image. We are your image bearers. That we resemble something of your face, something of your nature, just in how we're created. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, this morning, we just say, have your way. We say, thank you, God, for what, what you're doing in us. Thank you that you're lifting our hope level, that you're bringing us up higher because you trust us. Thank you that we are your sons and daughters who are learning how to steward well your grace gifts, that we are learning how to steward and host your presence well, that we are walking and learning to walk in greater levels of purity and in power. God, I pray this morning that you would just strengthen the legs of every person in this room. Strengthen our legs that we would stand on a leg of purity and a leg of power. That we would not walk lopsided, that we would walk upright before you. And we just say, God, let nothing come between your heart and our heart that we would bring in. Wherever there's a lie that would say, you cannot come to the Father. God, we say, break that thing now. Just strike that thing off of us, Lord. We just come against every high thing, every demonic spirit, every lofty thought, every imagination, vain imaginations, anything that goes on between our ears that would try to exalt itself above the knowledge of you. And we just say, bow now to the name of Jesus. We bring those thoughts and we take them captive to obey you, Jesus. We surrender our thinking to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.